Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. And here with us for the first Weekly Standard Podcast in the era of Trump is leader of the Never Trump movement, Bill Kristol. Bill, uh, is so what's it going to be? Hemlock or have you just started the car and left the garage door closed? Ugh, I guess we shouldn't joke about such things, but no, I think hemlock is the traditional, you know, <laughs> from Socrates on. It's the it's the dignified way to go when you're 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 in Socrates' state, his city in Socrates' uh, situation, right. his city state Athens had kind of turned its back on him, decided he was corrupting the youth, and I do kind of feel like the Republican Party has not to compare myself with Socrates, but has turned its back on me and many many others, and uh, and uh, is corrupting the really conservatism and 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 a very sad way, honestly. Well, here's the, the difference between uh, the the uh, conversation we have at the Weekly Standard and out in the hard brawling streets of talk radio where I spend most of my time, Bill. My uh, pro-Trump listeners aren't waiting for me to decide on Hemlock. They're waiting outside with the uh, crowbars, happy to help well, me out. And, and you're right. It's a good It's a good analogy. The analogy actually holds was, of course, Socrates only took Hemlock because he was ordered to be put to death by, by the jury in Athens. So it's a very comparable situation. And it's good because it allows us to indulge in the fantasy that we're like Socrates or something. <laughs> but, but we lost for now. Trump has won. The way I put it, I guess, on Twitter last night, Trump has won the GOP nomination, uh, presumably. But the fight uh, now begins for the future of the GOP, the future of conservatism. Uh, and I think that fight really is is going to be alive and well. And certainly I'm not giving up. And I think I've just heard from a ton of people last night and this morning, people I know well, people I haven't heard from in three years, uh, people I don't really know, but they got my email address, some elected officials, a lot of earnest and decent people out there in the country who just can't believe this is happening. And it makes me think there really is a um, an importance in keeping Never Trump alive, probably with a candidate uh, or with an effort that isn't candidate-centered but is sort of future of the Republican Party or future of the party that will succeed the Republican Party-centered. So a lot of stuff bouncing around today, but I think it's I'm not giving up in any way and, and, and accommodating myself to Donald Trump as a possible president. Uh, did Ted Cruz and now John Kasich, who both uh, have suspended their campaigns, their departure, has that affected the kind of never-Trump movement? I mean, it sort of sped up the uh, moment where one has to decide uh, independent candidacy or not. Is it possible? Can you find a good candidate? Is it just a sort of hopeless uh, thing where maybe someone no one's ever heard of is on a ballot in a few states? But um, so it's sort of it's it's ended the kind of well, maybe Cruz can pull it off, and now we're just in the okay, it's independent candidacy or it's a choice of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. I was surprised that Cruz. Suspended his candidacy. I mean, he lost badly, of course, in Indiana, as, as kind of predicted by the end. But I, I don't know. I thought he kind of owed it, frankly, to, to the party and to the country to fight to the end, not because he. I mean, there's a one in 50 chance, I suppose, that even something might happen that would derail Trump, but just to kind of keep the flag flying. I, I really am a little puzzled uh, by what he's done, um, except maybe he, I don't know, I didn't see him last night, I was out, but uh, his, his speech, maybe he's sort of bowing to the notion that, oh, it's hurting the efforts at unity to keep fighting, and he's the presumptive nominee, as Ryan's previous said last night, so both he and Kasich are now going to endorse Trump, I guess. Um, that's sort of disheartening, actually. Uh, yeah, and if they do endorse Donald Trump, that will be truly disheartening. And I guess their calculation is that if Trump goes down to defeat, as polls out today show, losing by 13, the analysis from Larry Sabato has him barely above 140 electoral college votes, that nobody will remember that you endorsed him. But people will remember if you remain never Trump. And that's the question I want to ask you is if you're thinking long term, 
where's the smart place to be? Should Rubio and Cruz, everyone just simply say, my party picks the nominees and I'm sticking with my party? Or should they be more bold and stand up and say, this is what I believe in. And until the party gives me someone who kind of can at least pretend believes in these things, I, I can't join along. I mean, it totally depends on one's judgment of Trump. If he is like Barry Goldwater, Robbie Richard Nixon nominally supported Barry Goldwater in 1964. He didn't do much for him. Uh, Goldwater got blown out. Uh, Nixon, on the other hand, was alive and well and able to to run in 68 and be elected president. And he could tell the Goldwater supporters, look, I'm not obviously where Goldwater is. I'm a more conventional establishment Republican, but I did my duty and supported Barry Goldwater. So when Reagan challenged Nixon in 68, very late at the convention, Nixon had enough goodwill, you might say, among, right. the, among the Goldwater supporters to, to beat back the challenge. So that's kind of the conventional calculation. Bad case, uh, Trump's Goldwater, he's going to lose badly, but you know, you, you're better off supporting him than being a true a sort of renegade, a true uh, deserter from, from the party. That's if you think Trump's Goldwater. If, as I think, and I think you think, Michael, Trump's not just you know ideologically off and he's not a good conservative on some issues, the way Goldwater was too conservative for the country, Trump's not conservative enough or, or has some odd positions, but that Trump is fundamentally unfit to be president. If you think that because of his character and, his, and, and, and just who he is um, and his exhibited behavior in this very campaign, this is a man who in the last week, after all, has what? Accused Ted Cruz's father of being part of some crackpot conspiracy to assassinate an American president, someone who embraced a convicted rapist in Indiana four or five days ago. I mean, if you think that's just unacceptable, then I think you shouldn't bow to conventional pressure. And there'll be a lot of it, incidentally, over the next few days to normalize. Come on, support him, nominally support him. You don't have to go on a limb, but it's safer that way. There's, there'll be a lot of pressure to do that. But if you don't believe he's fit to be president, I think it's both the right thing to do, and I would say the politically smart thing to do, to be a little bolder and to say, no, I'm sorry, this is different. This is a sort of once-in-a-lifetime case. I still hope, I think people could say, that the Republican Party will pull, it to get, pull itself together after this election. But for now, I can't support Trump. And furthermore, I would hope that there's a decent Republican running who might could support to keep the banner flying, along with all the, obviously, the Republican congressional and Senate candidates and governors and so forth. Um, and I think that would be the bolder way to go. But there will be, we should not underestimate, one of the interesting questions now, just analytically for the next week or two, is how much success the sort of normalizing of Trump effort has. There'll be a lot of pressure that way. Um, and of course, the more people do it, the more people will then see, well, gee, I guess I better do it too. That's so right. you get kind of a, you know, a classic uh, snowball effect. Or will people, uh, you know, stop and as I hope they do and say, no, I'm sorry, this is different. And uh, I'm not simply falling into line behind Donald Trump now. I feel like the uh, admiral in the uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi ep uh, uh, movie where they approach the uh, moon of Endor and he's shouting, it's a trap. I can't believe these Republicans don't see that the natural progression is they all climb into the Trump trap. The door closes behind them at the convention. And then from August until November, Hillary and CNN and the New York Times remind everybody just who Trump is. And it's too late then. You're in the trap. You've endorsed him. I can't believe anyone who has a long-term hope for political success is willing to climb in there and put, put their very political lives in the hands, or to be more accurate, the mouth and Twitter feed of Donald Trump. And of course, you've seen those ads, like there's one up in Arkansas and there's another one in another state where they, the Democrats are already testing the 
mess showing Trump saying some really outrageous, unpleasant, uh, more than unpleasant, really uh, bad things. Uh, and then they show a Republican, in this case it was Senator Bozeman from from Arkansas, saying, well, yeah, I always support, I'll support the Republican nominee. We support Trump. Yeah, I'll support him too. And then they say, you know, therefore he believes and supports right. the following things that Trump has said. That ad is going to be, versions of that ad will be shown, you know, f uh, 100 million times in the next uh, six months. And I tend to agree with you. You're better off being clear that you're not supporting Trump. Now, there will be a price to be paid, especially in the short term, though, for not supporting Trump. And, and there will be Trump supporters who will be angry at you. And it's not so easy to run for Senate when you're saying, I'm not supporting the presidential candidate of my party. Right. And they'll still try to wrap them around you, incidentally. It's still, so, you know, it's, it, we shouldn't make pretend that's easy either way. But I very much agree with you that the the it looks safer to go into the trap than to try to make a U-turn and get away, which is tricky to do uh, and may not work either, honestly. But uh, going into the trap ultimately is more dangerous and more damaging. Uh, so what about the third party approach? You know, the Wall Street Journal had a uh, editorial that a lot of people commented on, and I've been anxious to hear your thoughts, and making a pragmatic argument. If you take a swing senator, you know, a Portman in Ohio or Kirk in Illinois, and you have a third person, you know, General Mattis decides to come in and be it, that you put them at a disadvantage by making them choose between Trump or the actual conservative, because then you're, they're going to uh, alienate the Trump supporters. But my thought is, well, but they can't endorse Trump in these swing states and have any hope of winning. So then they're going to endorse Hillary, which is going to put them in, in even worse odds, unless they're just going to try to tap dance and tango their way through the entire general election. And I just don't see how that's possible. Yeah, that's what the journal editorial is, is suggests, is tap dance and tango. I wrote something yesterday afternoon, a brief post, taking issue with the journal editorial, which I found both politically foolish and also sort of at some level kind of um, not alarmed enough about a Trump presidency. They, they still are, are trotting out the argument, well, gee, and this could also conceivably hurt Trump and therefore help Hillary. And the main, the main thing that's helping Hillary is Trump's nomination, obviously. But at the end of the day, if you don't think Trump is president, it's not much should be president. At the end of the day, if you don't repeat that, at the end of the day, if you don't think Trump should be president, it's not a very convincing argument to say, hey, you, doing this may even decrease the odds of him becoming president. Not that I want Hillary to be president either, but at the end of the day, but, you know, we may, that may be the choice of the two. They may end up being the only two viable candidates. Right. Um, it, that's not caused by us. That's caused by the people who nominated Trump. Trump. Um, so I agree, very much agree with you. And I think if you're Rob Portman in Ohio or Pat Toomey in Pennsylvania, um, you're better off supporting the independent Republican. Now, you'll have a huge blowback from the Trump supporters, and maybe they won't vote for you, and maybe you'll go down anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it will pull out people like me to the polls who will otherwise stay home and maybe forget to go vote if it's just a Senate candidate on the line. And I think most of the Trump supporters could end up uh, supporting a Portman or Toomey. And it's, I'm not sure they would necessarily have to support the other candidate. A Portman and Toomey could say something like, you sure. know what, the Republican Party, which I'm part of, has nominated one man. Another very impressive Republican is running. I think people should make up their own mind on the presidential level. Don't vote for Hillary Clinton. Vote for one of these two. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit of a tap dance, of course, in its own right. But in a way, they could try to be supporters of both well, Trump and the non-Trump Republican who are running and therefore save themselves at the Senate level. Look, having been a communications guy for candidates before, I used to do it for a living, the nightmare is to have the reporters come back every day with the same unanswerable question, which is if Trump is your party's nominee and that's it. Every day is going to be some version of, oh my gosh, Donald Trump insulted fill in the blank. What is your response, Senator X? If you can say, I've endorsed 
you know, whatever, General Mattis, you end that conversation. It ends right there. And that is your chance to then talk about, don't come running to me. I endorse this other guy. So now let's get back to why my opponent is a mistake or why you need me in Washington more than ever, blah, blah, blah. If you don't have that out, there is simply not even, you know, Fred Astaire could tap dance well enough to get out of the, the media mud that you'll be trapped in every day by the Donald Trump news cycle. I mean, I agree. And the counter argument, obviously, is we're all underestimating Trump and he's going to be a better general election candidate than we think. And there's a small chance of that, I suppose. But I, I don't see any evidence of it at this point. And I got to think actually the opposite, that once he gets out of sort of the you know, in a bit of the Republican primary bubble, if I can put it that way. It's a big bubble. He's got 11 million sure. votes. But uh, and the snowball effect of Republicans feeling, hey, he's really sticking it to the uh, liberal media and to the politically correct. And let's let's rally behind him. And once we get into a real general election campaign, I tend to think he Trump does worse, not better. And it does huge damage down ticket. And it really does huge damage uh, to use a word I don't usually like to use, to the Republican brand. I mean, uh, this was brought home to me by a long conversation I had the other night. I was saying, well, maybe I could maybe get through this. I wouldn't support Trump. You lose, maybe you lose some Senate seats, some House seats. But then we start over and, you know, this, the good young Republican governors are still governors right. in 2017. And Tom Cotton and Ben Sass and Joni Ernst are still in the Senate and et cetera, et cetera. And this person I was talking with said, I don't know. Think about six months, six months of this person being the face, yep. the name, the, the, the image of the Republican Party of the United States. This Republican convention, three, four days, he'll be the nominee, nominating speeches for him, his own nominating speeches, selection of a VP, everything is about him. I mean, 30 million people watching, then debates, 50 million people watching. Very hard. The branding effect of Trump, I think, will be more, I've now concluded, I've now just, mm. I think I've concluded, <laughs> is going to be more, could well be much more damaging than people are kind of realizing it. They haven't thought through what it will be like to go through the next six right. months, which I, I think strengthens the point you and I were making two minutes ago, which is give candidates an alternative, at least someone to rally to, give voters an alternative, a respectable alternative to rally to. And so I'm going to, well, after this podcast, I'll get back to work trying to find that alternative and persuade him or her to, 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 to put himself on the line. Because it's not easy to do if you're a young politician or even an older one. Uh, you know, <laughs> you'll take a lot of abuse from Republicans for, you know, you're damaging Republicans. You're not abiding by the voters' wishes. You and I have heard this a million times. Right. And, and this person would hear, hear it a hundred times more than we've heard it. So it's going to take someone with courage to step up. But the last thing I would add, and I'd like to know if you think this is right, that what we're about to see is about to see Trump's numbers get as good as they're going to get leading up to July. He's going to have some more wins because everyone else has dropped out. So even if it's not competitive, there's still going to be the moment he hits 1237. He's going to win California. And then, like you said, there's going to be this big uh, Trump style. Uh, I can't wait to see the women coming out in between speakers, like at the boxing matches, you know, Bill, with the big right. cards and they're in the bikinis. And then after that, the world will completely change. And I think you're so right that people are not looking into that post uh, convention post win because right now he's bolstered by wins wins are wins are wins and the wins sound good and he's not after Jul after June 8th he won't have another win because there won't be another contest until November and it's I, I'm afraid you're going to see free fall I think you're going to see a, a nominee who's could well be in the 30s by the time November comes around no, I agree very much with that and with that, I think thinking about it dynamically in that way is the right way to think about it. And, and Hillary, of course, presumably will now have the contest continue with Sanders for a while. So she'll be in, you know, being sniped at and sure. not racking up uh, big W's every every week. And Trump will be. And, and so, yes, I think June 7th is probably Trump's high watermark. I'll be interesting to see whether the Democrats decide to start advertising against Trump now no. with some of the stuff we've or, no. or whether they wait. 
You think they wait until <sighs> June? Do you after? want? Are you kidding me? Do, you don't. If you're the Democrats right now, you are holding your breath. You are yeah. praying that there's not a hurricane in Cleveland. You want this guy to have the nomination. Yeah. The minute that that 1,237th delegate is counted and it's official, and the party can't remove him, that's the first day you run your negative ads. Between now and then, you want Trump love. You want him to be untouched. You don't want to wake up the sleeping conventioneers to the disaster that will befall. So there'll be no serious. They'll be shooting 22s until July, Bill, and then the be. rocket-propelled grenades will come out, and it'll be total now, savage. Be. They might want to shoot some 22s to kind sure, of soften the exactly. problem. exactly. Begin to lay the predicate for some arguments. But yeah, I think but then maybe they're just confident the delegates will be so asleep. They're so intoxicated by the Trumpian <laughs> moment that there's they can't wake them up anyway. And I do feel like that's kind of where the Republican Party is right now. Bill Kristol, uh, I was wondering how our first post-Trump uh, victory conversation would be, and it was just as awful as I feared. Thank you so much for being a I part of it. Please, Michael. Thank you. Okay, where's that hemlock recipe? You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.